assuming COVID-19 doesn't ruin our plans even further, C2E2 is going to be September, I'm sorry, December 10th through the 12th, 2021. Uh, so with that said, what is the winter or holiday cosplay that you're most looking forward to? Um, Matt, let's start with you. So I'm not going to say most looking forward to, I'm probably going to say least looking forward to, but the one that I think we will be guaranteed to see is the elf version of Harley Quinn. Like when you say elf, just like elf in general or like elf, the movie version of Harley Quinn? No, like, <laughs> well, like Santa's elf like, <laughs> ears and like a Santa bag. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, Tabitha? Um, I'm just hoping to see a couple bumbles from Rudolph the Raiden of Reindeer. Lydia? Yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, there's going to be, like, way more Elsas than there have ever, ever been. But it it would be funny to see a Mr. Freeze. (laughs) Uh, For me, and I feel like Matt, you're probably the only one who's going to get this joke, or not even a joke, but, like, if I don't see some kind of, like, band dressed up like the, uh, what were they called, the pilot fish or whatever from David Tennant's first episode as the doctor, yeah, I don't see people dressed up like that. I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, now I am going to be, too. <laughs> like Maybe we'll have to do that. Oh, I like it. And we've got about a year to learn horn instruments <laughs> i mean i already can so i am not carrying a tuba <laughs> well, i've already claimed the trumpet so somebody else is gonna have to carry the tuba I vote I'm, not, I'm not as tall as a tuba <laughs> <laughs> that's why it'd be fun unless we can strap it onto a backpack and plus like y'all know i can't carry a tuba around i'm too busy like at c2e2 buying literally everything i see so. You put it in the tuba. Ooh. Exactly. Okay. Tuba okay, store. we're on. <laughs> We've got a year. <laughs> oh, boy. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. So we're going to start off tonight with a little bit of breaking news. Um, So Warner Brothers previously announced that Wonder Woman 1984 will premiere on HBO Max the same day it's released in theaters. Uh, Now they've announced that they're going to do the same thing for all Warner Brothers films in 2021, including Dune, The Suicide Squad, and the much-anticipated Tom and Jerry. Um, Much-anticipated? Anticipated by whom? I was say, did you did you not listen to the last episode we did? Like, <laughs> that, that's part of the reason why I said that. <laughs> um, so the studio has stressed that these are pandemic only rules, but um, after the first thirty one days, the movies will become only available in theaters. Uh, that said, like the international release schedule is going to be unaffected by this. So. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence, and want to know your opinions. I mean, it allows 
me to only pay fifteen ninety nine to see movies that I would have to pay twenty five dollars to see. True. It's cheaper. I don't have to leave my house and get exposed to people who are too stupid to stay home when they have COVID. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, as much as some of these, some of those that are listed, I think would be ones that would be really cool to see on the big screen with the surround sound and all of that. At the same time, like to be included in the regular subscription service, even if it's only for the first 31 days of the release. I mean, to me, that's pretty much worth it to like actually be a subscriber. My question is, are they going to count like the views on HBO as, um, as if they would ticket sales and a theater because they tend to use um, opening weekend of movies to gauge like how well the movie did. And if people aren't going to see it in the theater and they're just watching it on HBO, then by their own logic, the movie fails. So are they counting those times that it's being streamed to or? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly how they're planning that. You would think that they would almost have to, because you're absolutely right. I mean, if they don't, then by the metrics that have been set, then Wonder Woman is going to fail. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to figure into like the, like the monetary like figures as well. Yeah. Cause you know, like Lydia said, like you know, they count opening weekend sales is like a big measure of the movie. You get everybody that is a uh, subscriber and watches in that first week. Are you going to count that $15 towards the uh, gross sales for, for the movie? Now, I don't know all the specifics because I didn't do a ton of research. I mean, surprise, surprise. Um, like we were saying off air, like we ain't that professional, but, um, <laughs> but um, truth. <clears throat> I did read where, kind of going along those lines, where Warner Brothers and has like made some kind of deal with movie theaters to where I think the way that I understand, I think movie theaters are getting like a bigger percentage of ticket sales than they normally would um, okay. to kind of balance everything out. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I would. Plus, I mean, you got to think too. Like you know, what's stopping? you know, me from, well, besides COVID, what's stopping me from inviting a bunch of my friends over to watch Wonder Woman at my home for free, as opposed to, you know, five or six people going to the movie theater. So, I mean, that, that skews numbers as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely does. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. So, uh, got a few things to review tonight. Um, but first, Valiant has announced a partnership with uh, the U.S. Open Cricket Council uh, for their o upcoming U uh, U.S. Open. So digital billboards at the event are going to show heroes from the Valiant universe supporting first responders and other heroes on the front line of the uh, pandemic. The U.S. Open runs from December 15th through the 20th. And for more information, visit cricketusopen.com. Um, I think that's awesome. It's... Uh, it's a way to get Valiant's name even further out there while at the same time, you know, continuing to recognize the people who have given so much of themselves this year. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't also know there was a cricket open U.S. cricket. I, I can't work. <laughs> I didn't know they played cricket here in the States. 
<laughs> or, I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking it was like the phone service or like the paper cutter. <laughs> so you're ahead of me because I was lost. There's a cricket championship for crafting. <laughs> See, yes. you can cut out the most vinyl designs in a minute. That would be cool. I'd watch that. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I I would watch that religiously. I'd like get T-shirts and everything made. We I mean, haven't even made t-shirts for this yet. And we keep talking about that. You have a bell! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my Christmas bell. <laughs> it's a Christmas bell. It was my bell. great-grandma's. And now it's officially shamed Mitch. It's, <laughs> it was brought here to this country from a different country just to shame Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> now he's getting international shaming yes man i'm just getting more and more like categories to keep track of this is getting difficult guys <laughs> now is what this, you get paid for is this an international shame or is this a christmas shame because if it's a it's christmas shame, there christmas needs to be shame. yeah i think it's an international christmas shame okay <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this is the dumbest bell, because if you can see on one side, it is this design, and on the other side, it is the same design, but worse. (laughs) Worse? (laughs) So it's not like, it's really necessary. It's so ugly. (laughs) (laughs) International Christmas Shames. (laughs) And that's the name of our episode. (laughs) I just feel like... This bell was so much louder than my other bell. It's higher pitched, I think. Yeah. And granted, like, I haven't heard the bell, you know, like the original Shane Bell via Zoom. So I don't, I don't know. In my ears, it sounds louder or more aggressive than my other bell. Probably because it's glass and not metal and plastic. I really hope that I don't shame, like, say something so shame worthy that, like, you ring the bell so hard that you break it. Um, it weighs like not a little, so I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to be real mad at you to break it. Because how much does that weigh? Like a solid pound? I mean, it's it's close to a pound probably, yeah. <laughs> it's a heavy bell. <laughs> See, for it's, a, it's a thick bell. For, for bookkeeping purposes now, I need to know what other country did it come from? Um, it came from Ireland. <laughs> okay. And also for I don't have any other bells from any other countries. And also for bookkeeping purposes, um, is that bell thick with two or three C's? Uh, <laughs> just two. It would need to be a little thicker to have three C's. <laughs> that said, <laughs> I've missed you guys. <laughs> the first book we're going to review tonight is called Kill a Man. It's from Aftershock Comics. Uh, It's out now in comic book stores and will be in other bookstores December 15th. Uh, It's written by Steve Orlando and Philip Kennedy uh, Kennedy Johnson with art by Alec Morgan. So uh, Kill a Man tells the story of James uh, Belli, who is one of the brightest MMA fighters in the world, whose father was beaten to death in the ring after yelling homophobic slurs uh, towards his opponent. Now, James must uh, turn to the man who accidentally killed his father after an upcoming opponent outs him and his friends and family desert him. Uh, Matt, I know you had a chance to read this as well. What did you think? 
So when I first started this, I was like, um, like I, it starts off with um, like essentially the flashback um, and his dad dying in the ring. Um, and then it cuts to uh, James's career as an MMA fighter. And early on that part of this book, I was, I, I was not into it. Um, I, I'm not a fan of MMA fighting. I don't watch it. I don't know that I've ever watched an entire bout. Um, and I'm like, it just, it just wasn't grabbing me. Um, and then about the time, yeah, probably like chapter two, because I think it's only like a really, like two really long chapters as far as this book is set up. Um, I saw where this was going and I saw the, um, the character arcs um, and the connection that was going to happen between Maine, um, who killed James's dad and James himself. Um, and by the end of this, my only, my only gripe is that some of the monochromatic art um, throughout the book um, threw me off a little bit because you get one page that's like all red and then you get another page that's blue and then another page that's like purple or green and it didn't really that part didn't really do anything for me kind of pulled me out of the story a little bit um, but as far as like the overall art um, and the story goes this just turned out to be absolutely fantastic um, and how this ends um, really becomes like a, like a moral lesson, um, on, on being a good person and taking the high ground. And it was really kind of, um, it was a surprise essentially ending for me from where it started, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I've got, I had two, um, small gripes with this book and I'm, I'm starting with the negative and then going back to the positive, but, um, the, the first gripe that I had, I, I agree with you in terms of the monochromatic tones and everything like that. I feel like for me personally, I would have preferred more of a natural color scheme. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know that it completely took me out of the story. Um, it was just kind of one of those things like in the background, I was like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you lose some things, especially with like the darker, like the darker purples mm -hmm. and the darker reds that you would get sometimes. Um, <clears throat> also, I really, 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 really hate the term bussy. What's that mean? So, all right. So you all know what the P in WAP stands for, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's boy that is what bussy means. Yeah. I'm not hip with the lingo these days. <laughs> I had honestly not heard that one before, but I somehow figured out what it was before you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like it's kind of like a purse is a man purse. <laughs> so. It's a European shoulder bag, okay? <laughs> anyway, I don't like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So going going on to the positive things about this book. Um. So in the email that we got um with the uh, PDF of this book, Orlando called this kind of like a labor of love. It's a book that he's been working on for years and have tried to get out, you know, into uh readers' hands. Um and and I could definitely see that. Uh I really liked 
that uh, both James and Xavier both had like separate kind of roads to redemption. Um, and not only like separate, but also like completely different roads. Um, mm-hmm. They were inspiring. And like, and also like the scenes with James and his mother, uh, they were really emotional as well. Like, and for different reasons. I mean, his mother only shows up a few times, but it's like each time it's a completely different feeling, you know? Um, but yeah, but I, I did. I absolutely loved this book. Uh, I couldn't put it down once I started it. Um, highly recommend it. So uh, out December 16th from Oni Press is The Vein Number 3. Uh, it's written by Elliot Rahal with art by Emily Pearson. So uh, in this issue, after World War II, we meet up with Lost Van London and uh, the gang in 1955 in the midst of uh, Havana's crime ring. With the FBI on their tail, will the vein be caught? Uh, Tabitha, let's start with you on this one because I know how much you loved the first issue. I did love the first issue, and then I missed the second issue, and then I read the third issue. So while I was a little lost and confused, um, I still really like this story. Um, you gave me historical fiction with, you know, vampires, but not like your typical vampires, more like just regular people who just happen to be vampires. Like, is vampire, like, inclusion a thing? Because it feels like really diverse but the diverse characters are vampires i don't know um i liked this story this story was more word heavy and less like detective noir fiction like the first one was but i still really enjoyed it and i am kind of lamenting the fact that i haven't read the second one so i should do that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i and i and i agree with you i love the idea of mixing you know like history with vampires you know much better, much better than you know, mixing classic literature with zombies. Um, <laughs> I was really interested in seeing kind of like the time jump that we get in this because after reading the first two issues, I just kind of assumed that this was just going to take place in World War II. Um, mm-hmm. But now we're seeing you know them moving forward in the future, and then you know I, I'm kind of anxious to see how far into the timeline that this story is going to go. Like, is it going to end up with them like? present day you know whatever um i also i kind of feel like this is going to be one of those titles where i'm going to want to go back and reread once either the series is over over or like after this arc is over uh because i'm sure that like i'm missing out on little details that kind of get lost on me if i'm just reading it month to month you know but uh matt what did you think yeah i um i kind of echo what you guys are saying i kind of thought based on issue one, um, that this was going to be like all detective noir kind of feel. Um, and then we did the time jump and all of a sudden I realized we're probably, as the series goes, going to keep moving forward in time. Um, but I do like how we have those like big historical points, um, as reference, um, but uh, I don't know. This is, it's fun. It's, it's an interesting twist on both of these genres, I guess, if you will. Um, vampire and kind of that noir detective story. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely in for this to see where this all ends up and where it goes. Because um, I'm not exactly sure right now. 
so the last book that we're going to talk about tonight is Sturgill Simpson's Sound and Fury. Uh, it's out this month from Z2 Comics. It's written by Jason Aaron and Ryan Cady with art by Takashi Okazaki. Okazaki. There we go. Uh, so <laughs> this uh, graphic novel is the prequel to Simpson's anime Sound and Fury. Uh, it tells stories from before the corporate apocalypse, uh, where uh, Slick and Slim and the Thousand Likes Corporation takes over. Um, I only got about halfway through this book. Uh, it was this is one of those books where, like, in the very beginning, it kind of was like I didn't know what to expect because the first chapter is all over the place, and it's like, and I have no idea what kind of ride I'm in for. And then chapter two comes along and we get kind of more of a backstory. And now at this point is kind of going more linear and everything and everything starts making sense. Uh, By the time that I stopped, just because I had other stuff that I had to do, uh, I was really enjoying it. I'm excited to read the rest. Matt, I know you read all of it. Uh, What's your take on it? Um, Yeah, the way that this starts is jarring, um, I guess is the best way to put it. because based on the first essentially chapter or so, um, I, I, I was not into it. I was reading this going, okay, so we're mashing up Mad Max and um, Death Race and just hoping for the best. Um, and then we got to, and then it went back and we got backstory and we got a little bit more complex characters. Um, when all was said and done, I would have probably appreciated a different avenue um, for essentially this revenge story is what it comes out to be um, than this Mad Max style death race. Um, but um, like apart from that, like I, I really kind of enjoyed the story. It was interesting um, on how kind of all of that developed. Um there are definitely some places where it's a little cliche um, as story goes, you know, giant corporation taking over and taking over towns and, you know, basically a, a mindless workforce. Um, but um, I, I mean, overall, I, I think it was interesting and I would be intrigued to watch um, or read more of this like further anime um, as it goes, my only other thing um, is that the art tends to jump around a little bit or feels like it does um, kind of from chapter to chapter. Like you get certain points where it feels very dark and gritty. And then all of a sudden you get a couple of frames that seem a little bit more um, of that pop anime style, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more lighthearted. And it like those particular frames appeared throughout the entire thing and kind of threw me off um, when they did. I probably just would have appreciated a little bit more um, of an even keeled art style throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I didn't read this because I have PTSD from the sound and the fury. So anything that looks, smells or tastes like the sound and the fury, I can't look at on purpose. (laughs) So whoever Sturgill Simpson is can thank William Faulkner for not allowing me to read this book. (laughs) Uh, with that said, let's get into some gut reaction. Oof! Gut reaction.
And we're going to start tonight with Matt and Stranger Things. Um, so Stranger Things um, recently announced uh, eight more uh, cast members for season four. Uh, but the one that stole all the headlines um, and really like the, I guess the biggest, most important one uh, is Freddy Krueger himself. Robert England is been tapped for a recurring role. Uh, he's going to play a character called Victor Creel who is a disturbed and intimidating man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. I mean, it's typecasting. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, maybe typecasting, but I love the fact that they're bringing in um, Freddy Krueger for Stranger Things. I think that's awesome. So I'm going to go thumbs up for this. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard my eye roll or you felt my eye roll, but like, <laughs> I get, you're, you're, like, you're bringing in Robert England, you're bringing in Freddy Krueger to, like, your scary Netflix TV show, and it's all nostalgic and stuff, but, like, you can't let the man play a different character for once. Like, good lord. Thumb sideways. Yeah, I I agree. I think I'm gonna have to go thumb sideways on this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I love the idea of bringing him in, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. Like, can we get can we get a little different character you know uh, characterization of him because it's like literally what else has he done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lydia, I, I like the idea even if it is typecasting and that's basically all he's done. I mean, come on, it, it's still going to be fun to see him in a show like this. So I'm gonna go thumbs up. <clears throat> so. DC has announced a young adult graphic novel that tells the story of Mandy, Starfire's daughter, who is goth and gay and an outsider. So, if so she's Raven? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, um, and if you don't know who Starfire is, like Mandy is just judging off of the characterization um, of the article that I read, as well as like the cover of the book, um, Mandy is literally the exact opposite of Starfire. Uh, I'm gonna give this a thumb sideways. I I want to go completely thumbs down because I feel like DC is doing way too much with this character. But at the same time, it's like uh, if if a story like this helps anybody, then okay, cool, awesome but this is definitely not for me. Lydia. Yeah, I don't have much of a frame of reference for like Starfire. I know who the character is, but that's about it. But I'm gonna have to go thumb sideways because I feel like they're just trying to cram as many inclusive things into this one character as they possibly can. And I feel like they're overdoing it. Like it's great to be inclusive, but there's a point where you can just do too much. Matt. I don't know that I really have anything to add. I mean, I feel like it probably, it's probably going to turn out pretty well. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of feels like they're trying to do a little too much with this. So thumb sideways. Tabitha. Uh, mostly what Matt said at first. Like, so Raven? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <clears throat> like Starfire's Hell would be having a daughter that was Raven. And you've given her Raven. So I like that because Starfire gets on my nerves. So I like it when she's sad. Um, but still, like, you literally just took Raven and made her a teenager. Made her a teenager. 
Again? Again. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Mom's down. <laughs> uh, Tabitha, let's visit the Baby Yoda news desk. Okay, so it's been a hot second since we've been at the Baby Yoda news desk, but here we are. So, European mobile carrier... Um, Vodafone. Vodafone? Vodafone? Something. I don't know. Some kind of phone. Um, has partnered with Disney Plus to release a new wearable called the Neo. Um, it is combined like technology with Disney's brand, basically. <laughs> um, it gives you like a sense of independence for kids while letting the parents stay in contact. So basically it's a tracking advice for your child. Um, Perfect. <laughs> Baby Yoda, Buzz Lightyear, Minnie Mouse will like be on the main screen. Um, kids will uh, be able to communicate with their parents via the watch. It's okay. So it's an Apple watch for kids, but from this company called Vodafone. And also you can have Disney plus characters that you can interact with the end. Um, <laughs> like they're trying to make it cool, but in the end, that's just what it is. So um, I like that. It's a, I mean, it's a low jack for parents to kids that makes kids feel like they're not being low jack by putting baby Yoda on it. Thumbs downish up. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in a weird spot with it because like, I know why you would want to know where your kids are. And like, I am obviously being tracked. We all have phones. We're all being tracked. But like, if you need a low jack on your child, that's small enough to be wearing a baby Yoda watch. You should maybe just know where the hell your kid is. Just throwing that out there. Um, it's lazy. Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lazy I'm parenting made easy by Vodafone and Disney. I'm going thumbs up because at the end of the day, I want a baby Yoda smartwatch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that said, like, I'm fairly certain though, that like, I'll know that the jig is up. If somebody gives me a baby Yoda smartwatch, like, I'll know that, oh, cool, you just want to know where I am 24-7. <laughs> but it's going to work because it's a Baby Yoda smartwatch. Uh, <laughs> Lydia. Yeah, I, I agree with Tabitha. I feel like that's just kind of a lazy parenting way out of things. Like, if your kid's young enough that you need to be worried about where they are every second of every day, maybe just don't let them that far away from people that you trust. <laughs> also, like, I don't personally have one, but if you already have like an Apple watch, I'm pretty sure you can just change your faceplate to baby Yoda and you have the same thing. So mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> also, you know, kids that age don't need anything that high tech and expensive. So th th thumbs down. <laughs> Matt. I'm going to go thumb sideways because as a parent, I see both sides of this. Um, I, I know that there are some like, cell phones that are designed for kids that are kind of along this same line. Um, it only allows like minimal contact with people that the parents have like approved um, that can, you know, call the watch or the phone or the, well, the phone or the watch in this case. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of just see both sides of it. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Matt, let's talk about ready player two. Do we have to? <clears throat> I mean, um, it was your your idea. I know it was, and I'm kind of regretting it now. Um, <laughs> so, Ray, yeah, right. Um, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> so, the sequel that nobody knew that they didn't want 
um, hit shelves this week. Um, and <sighs> Ernest Klein has put his foot in his mouth, so to speak, um, in the book. Um, I I've heard mixed reviews on the book so far as a whole. Um, but what is making some of the biggest noise and news right now um, is that he has managed to stigmatize sex with trans and non-binary people in the book. Um, basically, there's a passage where Wade, who our protagonist from the first book slash movie, um, is spying on another player. Um, and while going through this person's personal information, finds out that they are transgender and notes that that comes as a quote unquote surprise. Um, Wade apparently proceeds to go through school records and birth certificate and all sorts of other things. Um, and then starts musing about, I, I don't know how to say this, sexual encounters um, with men, women, and non-binary people. But like flat out just says um, that there are three kinds of sex, gay, straight, and non-binary. <laughs> what? I, <clears throat> things that aren't a thing. What? Things that aren't a thing. Things, yeah, things that aren't a thing. Um, so a lot of the internet is completely up in arms. Um, it's just, it basically is him being tone deaf to anybody that isn't cis mm -hmm. uh, is really what it amounts to. Um, I was not probably going to read this anyways, but with his inability to, uh, I don't know, Essentially, to follow J.K. Rowling down the same road, I probably won't ever read this. Um, I'm just going to go thumbs down. Tabitha. Yeah, not <clears> only <throat> did this occur, but from the reviews that I've heard, read, and watched, like, the whole book it's, like, itself is just a giant dumpster fire. Um, Ernest Klein was banking on the popularity of the first book and didn't feel like he had to put any effort into the second one to sell anything, so he didn't. And obviously there was no, you know sensitivity reading done of this book which is the fault of not only the author but the publisher so 10 bucks says we don't get a ready player three and if we do it will only be a movie it won't be an actual book um depending on if they make a ready player two movie so i'm gonna go thumbs down just to earnest clients human in general yeah i yeah thumbs down i don't i don't know if he was trying to go like the jk rowling route or if he was you know trying to be, you know, inclusive or whatever, but just going about it the very wrong way. Um, <laughs> either way, it's, yeah, it doesn't, it didn't work, whatever he tried to do. So, yeah, no, 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 thumbs down. Lydia? Yeah, I have nothing more to add. Just everything you guys have already said, thumbs down. <clears throat> so, closing out Gut Reaction got a little bit of a happier story. So uh, Funko has announced the launch of Pop People uh, in Funko's Hollywood location uh, beginning December 11th. Basically, it's going to allow people to make customized pop figures. Uh, I'm giving this a 
90% thumbs up, but just a little bit thumbs down. The only reason it gets a little bit of a thumbs down for me is because I, from what I've read, I don't think you can do it online yet or anything like that. So, and I'm not going to Hollywood anytime soon, but otherwise, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I do want a pop figure of myself. That would be amazing. Lydia. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, w- I want a pop of myself and you guys would be cool too. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not getting to Hollywood and anywhere near the near future. So yeah, you, you make this where I can do it online and you, you get a major thumbs up. But until then you get, you, you get a thumbs down for the fact that I have to go to Hollywood to do it. <laughs> Matt. You're also going to be a long road trip, but uh, I'll see you later. Thumbs up. <laughs> hey, if you're already going, take me with you. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it by myself. <laughs> Tabitha. Take my car. It gets better gas mileage than yours. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I will tell you guys the horrible, awful thought that I had, but not on camera or air after the show. So somebody remind me. Um, but I'm going to go thumbs down. All right, I, I can't wait to hear hear the reason <laughs> Yeah, agreed. It's it's one of my uh, less fine moments, but we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna cruise past that. So, moving on before I get like super curious and like try to drag it out of tab on air. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, there's a mashup between Bob Ross and Magic: The Gathering. There is. Um, so all the pretty trees are going to be available on Magic the Gathering cards. Um, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast has paired with the Bob Ross estate for a special set of cards uh, called Secret Layer that are going to feature artwork from the one and only Bob Ross. There are going to be 10 pieces. Each will represent the game's five land types. So you'll get plains, forest, mountains, swamps, and islands. Um, each land gets two unique Bob Ross designs, and there is going to be a special land titled Evolving Wilds, um, which you will be able to, in gameplay, you'll be able to sacrifice and replace with any other basic land type. Um, they're going to be available in regular and foil type. Um, pre-orders are live from November 30th through December 14th. And it looks like it's going to go live on Christmas Day. That sounds amazing. Like, I'm not a Magic fan, but, like, I'd, I'd play for Bob Ross. <laughs> I, just, I just want to put him in a frame. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta Tab- be a better way to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there is, but, you know. <laughs> it is Mitch. <laughs> uh, Tabitha, let's revisit the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Okay, I'm going to need you to be more Pacific because I got three of those. I know. Um, Go through all three of your stories and I'll let you even choose the order. Okay, perfect. I'm just going to go in the order I posted them in because Matt so graciously made my notes for me while I was napping. Um, (laughs) So Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tick, Tick, Boom, the Netflix film that is about Jonathan Larson's uh, life. Um, it's like his biographical musical, has wrapped filming. Um, it follows 1990s Jonathan Larson um, in his, you know, start 
of becoming a composer and starting his, you know, actions in the theater. Jonathan Larson, most known for Rent, BT dubs, for those of you who don't know. Um, it's about his, you know, anxiety and his, his, just his journey in general. But um, we don't have a release date yet, but it has wrapped filming. And in 2020, with COVID and everything, anything that wraps filming, I'm just like, sigh of relief because everything keeps getting postponed. So then... Continuing on with Lin-Manuel Miranda News Desk, uh, Joe Biden, while introducing members of his cabinet, uh, said that he was going to make uh, Janet Yellen the new Treasury Secretary. So, of course, because, you know, he's hip, he's down, he's got the 411, uh, he said, we might have to ask Lin-Manuel Miranda to write another musical for the first woman Treasury Secretary, which... I don't know how interesting her life is, but I'd still watch it. Um, <laughs> you just watch it because Lynn wrote it. <laughs> correct. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, final Lynn Manuel Miranda story uh, with the release of everybody's Spotify like wrap ups for this year. Like, folks on Twitter are feeling shame for how much Lynn Manuel Miranda is in with their like super hardcore like music or they're like super country music and then like their second one is like when Mello we're in a um because you know <laughs> the release on Disney Plus people found it they streamed it um one tweet said I basically pay for a subscription to a Hamilton playlist <laughs> so same um but uh some like some people's top songs were just literally like from Hamilton and I don't use Spotify because Spotify makes me incredibly angry with the way they organize things. I use Apple Music and Apple Music doesn't do this, but if it did, mine would be like 70% Hamilton and then like 30% that one song from Moana that I can't stop listening to and that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it would effectively all be Lin-Manuel Miranda too. So I get it. Yeah, I also don't use Spotify and I'm really wishing that Pandora had something like that because yeah, I, I'm curious to know what mine would be. <laughs> I feel like it would definitely be up there. There are parts of the Spotify wrapped which are super cool to look and know about. And then there are other parts that are just kind of disturbing. Like when it tells you exactly how many minutes you've listened to throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And you realize it's a lot. <laughs> or when Matt goes, oh, one of my top three categories was show tunes. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> top, um, yeah, like... It was like three categories. Number four was show tunes. And then number five was something I would expect. And it was just like, that was that month and a half that I binged <laughs> the Hamilton soundtrack. <laughs> there for a while, like somebody was talking about how many times like this one song had, oh, it was a band that one of our favorite bands were talking about how many times one of their songs had been streamed on Apple Music. And I was like, y'all are welcome because I'm 75% of that because I listened to it on repeat for two days. <laughs> Um, so with mine, like, cause I actually, I only just started listening, uh, using Spotify hardcore, like this year, uh, it used to be Google play, but then they were like, Oh, Hey, we're going to make you use YouTube music and YouTube music is trash right now. But anyway, <laughs> so I've started to embrace Spotify. So with mine, it was like, you've discovered like 300 plus artists this year. And it's like, that's because I never used you until now. So, like, mm -hmm. all, all the artists that I've already discovered, I've already discovered. <laughs> okay, Columbus. 
Yeah, they're just they're just new to you, Spotify. They're just new to you. <laughs> wow. So, uh, there was a new animated short that was re- that's been released, and it features a uh, real recording of Stan Lee uh, talking about his love of the F word. Did you guys see this? Didn't get a chance, to, a chance watch to watch it. Yeah, uh, the animation style is you know it, it, it's cute. Uh, the recording itself is hilarious and spot on. I mean, he talks about how, you know, the F word can be used in a variety of different inflections, reasons. It can be a noun, a verb, you know, whatever. Uh, But yeah, highly recommend checking that out at some point in time. Matt, you've got a story about a new app that is the cat's meow. It is the cat's meow. Um, so you guys, <laughs> I'm terrified. We're gonna talk about it right now. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot I had a bell. I almost yelled at Lydia. <laughs> I was ready. Uh, so Amazon engineer Javier Sanchez is working on an app that he is calling Meow Talk. Uh, it translates the noises your cat makes into human language. Uh, It uses both AI and machine learning to decipher what it is your cat is trying to say. Uh, The article talks about how that cats in the wild don't talk, they don't vocalize. It's basically just two humans that they make noise. Um, And um, the app will learn, given more examples, by your cats. So basically, the more times you record your cat making noises, the more accurate the app will get in determining whether your cat wants food or wants you to shut up and go away or, you know, whatever else cats want. Plotting your demise. That too. Um, The app is available as a prototype right now for both Apple and Android. Um, My sister has four cats. She's probably going to hate that I'm calling her out on this. <laughs> um, but she has four cats. And the moment I found this, I sent this link to her. And she downloaded the app and tried it. Um, the only thing she was able to get from her cats was, I love you. I don't know if she's used it anymore since then and gotten any uh, more information or more phrases. But um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know I if think- I really want to know what the cats are saying. See, I already know what my cats are saying because they just want food and earlier their water dish was empty and I filled up the water dish and I sat it down and she looked at it and looked at the food dish and looked back up at me like, um, you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I feel like that th- this wasn't made by humans to understand cats. This was made by cats to trick humans into thinking that they're saying things like I love you and things like that so that they can further plot our demise. I agree. I will say this though, because I actually I had heard about the story and I've downloaded the app um, and used it a couple times, and like one that I got regularly, and granted it was like when the cats wanted food, it was like I'm hunting, like first <laughs> off no you're not hunting because I'm doing I'm essentially doing the hunting and gathering for you, <laughs> even though it's just dry cat food, but um, but yeah but like uh, but yeah it was only like maybe three maybe four phrases at a time but like yeah it's interesting if only 
if only you could talk to the app and then it would meow out of it. You know, what? <laughs> that way translate. I, yeah, that way I could actually, you know, talk to cats. No, I, I actually don't. really hate us then. Yeah. It's like one of those, like, conundrums. Like, I would like my dog to talk, but, like, my dog sits in the bathroom while I go to the bathroom. Does he really need to be talking to me while that happens? Like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> also, I don't need my cats to be talking because they, they've seen too much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, our last story for tonight. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it uh, yet... Hulu has brought back Animaniacs. Uh, I have been uh, working my way through the season. But there was a Pinky and the Brain skit um, from this new season where they had to pull the entire episode because of this. So, yeah. So in this episode, uh, Brain's plan to conquer Earth involves an infomercial with a phone number. The phone number... um, and I remember seeing this episode. I didn't, I didn't remember the phone number. And I saw like a screen cap on Twitter. And it was 1-800-555-9999. Apparently, that's a real number to a real what? sex line. Oh! <laughs> Whoops! Yeah. So they pulled the entire episode for editing. Uh, and instead of... Because like on the... Um, on the infomercial, it had, like, the phone number, and then it had, like, Acme Labs website, you know, whatever. A couple other things. So instead of just, like, changing the phone number to one that, like, wasn't going to work, um, they just changed it completely to a blank blue screen. Like, you still saw brain, but, like, they removed all the text. But, yeah. so That's like, kind of lame. <laughs> yeah. So also, like, I thought the whole point of those 555 numbers was that none of them existed. Right. Like, that's what they use in movies, just because... Well, maybe maybe this particular line was like, eh, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna try it. <laughs> oh my! But yeah, hmm. oh, I guess goodness. I guess whether it's trying to talk to brain or to talk about getting brain, I guess either way. <laughs> Am I on the ball? You are. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> that's that's gonna tie up this issue of the Geek Awakens. Uh, issue? Did I say issue? Yeah, you also said tie up. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh man! And the best part is, I've got to be up like super early tomorrow, so I'm not gonna edit hardly anything. So this is gonna be real fun. Oh boy! <laughs> So that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Um, Any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye. Bye.